Hey, feeling young, but they treat me like the OG. And they want the tea on me. I swear he nosy. All right, put 617 here on the Monday crew on WR2FM. Chris Acona, Dylan Allen, Jack Masaya back in New Brunswick. Joining us on the phone, we had him on a couple weeks ago when we were in the midst of Bubble Watch, and now with Rutgers safely in the field, along with 67 of his 68 picks, is Brad Wachtel, uh, our favorite bracketologist, joining us on the phone here. Brad, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Yeah, so that leads me right into my first question. So 67 out of the 68 teams in your final bracket were correctly guessed. Uh, Texas A&M, with their run, uh, in the SEC tournament being the only ones left out. What are your overall impressions from this bracket? Are there any surprises, any letdowns, anything that maybe you didn't understand from the committee? Yeah, so my only gripe with the committee and what they did was having Notre Dame in the field and having Texas A&M out. Uh, other than that, I don't have any major issues with what they did. Um, I think they did a, a very quality job, and – I say that because consistency, consistency of what they've done over the course of the last few years, um, things that they say are extremely important and things that they value uh, was the same was the case this year as well. Um, now, in terms of the team that I had in, uh, I had Texas A&M in and Notre Dame was out. I felt like when it came to those two teams, if you put those two resumes back to back right now, Texas A&M blows them out of the water. But if you put their resumes together on a Friday morning, Notre Dame was clearly ahead. So my, my concern is these championship, these uh, conference tournaments, how much do they matter? Um, because they should matter a lot. These, these are important. They matter for the teams, and these games should mean something going into the NCAA tournament. But you know, I'm starting to, to think that games on Saturday and Sunday just don't hold a lot of weight. Brad, this is Jack Pesaya. Thanks a lot for coming on again. And I got to say, 67 of the 68 teams correctly guessed. That's that's incredible. So congratulations on that. Um, I want to ask a Rutgers-specific question. Did Rutgers land where you predicted? Um, I know you, I saw you had them as the last team in. I just wanted to hear your opinion on you know where Rutgers fell and you know even the draw that they got with Notre Dame and potentially Alabama. Yeah, so for the last three to four weeks or so, I've been saying it, that if Rutgers was going to get into the tournament, they were going to end up in Dayton. Um, that's what I firmly believe because of their four net. Um, their strong wins got them in, which was great. Uh, so they ended up in the first four game as an 11 seed. I had them in the first four game as a 12 seed. Um, because of some outcomes that happened, a couple of big stealers on the last day or two with Virginia Tech winning and Richmond winning their tournament, Instead of all of the teams in the first four being on the 12 line, two of them are on the 11 line, and two of them end, ended up on the 12 line. Uh, and I ended up getting, you know, Rutgers right in Dayton, but the wrong seed. I had them as a 12. Uh, with regards to their to their matchup, you know, they play Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is the team that I thought didn't deserve to be in. Uh, they play in a very very weak ACC conference. They finished in second place. 15-5 and five record, but that, that really doesn't mean anything. We've said it numerous times. Conference records doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot, uh, and especially in a league like the ACC. Uh, I think it's a really good matchup for Rutgers. Um, you know, the, the one concern with Notre Dame is 
is the fact that they're an excellent three-point shooting team. They're top 40 uh, in offensive efficiency. Um, so, you know, anytime a team is making threes against Rutgers, it has a chance to be a game for sure. Um, but if Rutgers can bring the defense like they've, that they've done, you know, over the course of the last few weeks, um, aside from the game against Iowa, uh, you have to like their chance. Yeah, hey, Brad, Dylan Allen here. Um, what are your thoughts about Michigan getting the 11 seed uh, without the play-in game and Indiana getting the 12 seed, having the play-in date in the first round, especially after Indiana made that run in the Big Ten tournament and included beating Michigan in that head-to-head matchup, kind of going to your point about, you know, how much weight do those tournaments really have? Exactly, yeah. What? How much How much meaning did those two wins have for Indiana? I think they had to have a little bit of meaning because I didn't even have them in the field until they beat Michigan. Um, but overall, when you're comparing those two resumes, even though Indiana has the better overall record, Michigan has seven wins against the field. You know, So they're kind of like a Rutgers who record may not be great, but they have a lot of really good wins. Um, and I think that's why they got the edge in seed over Indiana. Now, Rutgers had an unusual resume, a better record against quad one than quad two teams, and three bad losses in particular dragging down their net. What did we learn about the selection committee's process from, one, the fact that they put Rutgers in, and two, that they were seated where they were seated, that we could maybe apply to future teams in this situation? Yeah, so the fact that they got in with a 77 net, which is the, the lowest net to ever receive a net large bid, it's a good thing because it, it means your record versus quadrant one teams, and in particular, high quadrant one teams. Um, the really, really good teams, Rutgers finished five and five off of um, finished with five wins, which is tied for the second most in the country. Um, that holds a lot of weight, as it should. So that's a, that's a great thing, for sure. Now, why was Rutgers such a poor seed, you know, from the other angle? Well, Four and ten road neutral records for one, um, and two, their non conference schedule really really hurt them. Obviously, the loss to, to Lafayette, but playing one of the worst non conference schedules in the country, playing six teams that had a net of 290 or worse, and not blowing out most of those teams. They only blew out one, and that was Central Connecticut State. Um, the lesson learned is. If you're going to have a schedule that poor, you need to beat those teams by 30, um, like Iowa did. But personally, I would not schedule games like that. I would try to schedule teams that are in lower conferences, uh, that that are that are typically towards the top of their league. Um, you know, like like the like the Vermonts of the world, the Wagners of the world, Iona teams that. Well, Iona might be an extreme example because they're they're very good. Uh, but teams that, even a Princeton, teams that are, are good, but if you have an NCAA tournament team on your hands or potentially an NCAA tournament team on your hands, you need to schedule like you're going to the tournament. And Rutgers came oh so close to missing the tournament because of their poor non-conference schedule. Brad, I want to hear your opinion on 
some of the matchups in the first rounds, maybe some that you could see as upsets. Um, I know it's really, it's really, really hard. It's kind of like picking a needle out of a haystack when you're looking for upsets. They can come from anywhere as well. Um, I've heard a lot of people say South Dakota State could upset Providence. That's a popular one. So, uh, yeah, so what are you seeing here from this first round of matchups? Yeah, South Dakota State is definitely one to keep an eye on. You know, the one thing with Providence is, I mean, they're such a tough team uh, defensively, and I think that, you know, knowing that everyone's picking them, it could be one of those games where maybe that's not the, the, the right upset. Um, I haven't filled out my bracket yet. I will be honest, but I have the bracket in front of me, and I have, you know, looked at it. You know, when you're looking at upsets, you want to say 6-11, 5-12 matchup. A 6-11 matchup I like is Virginia Tech over Texas. Uh, Virginia Tech just won the ACC tournament. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. They've had strong predictive metrics all throughout the season, uh, but they never actually picked up the quality wins until the ACC tournament, and they finally did that. Texas is a team that, Seems to under seems to have underachieved this year. I think when the season started, people thought that they could be a, a potential top two seed, top three seed at worst. And they ended up on the sixth line. So I do like Virginia Tech, even though coming out of the week ACC and the Big Twelve is really good. Um, I do think Virginia Tech pulls the upset there. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff for sure. Uh, how realistic do you think it is for Rutgers to make a deep run in this tournament? Uh, we saw last year. You know, UCLA go from being a first four team all the way, you know, from Dayton all the way to the front, the final four. Uh, how realistic is that for Rutgers? Not even saying that they have to go to the final four, but them to win maybe one or, you know, building off last year's tournament, maybe even getting to that Sweet 16 mark. Yeah, uh, it's definitely possible. I mean, anything's possible in the NCAA tournament, especially when you have a team that defends like Rutgers. Um, and just because they're in the play in the end doesn't mean anything because. Look at UCLA last year. They were in the playing game. They end up going to the Final Four. Uh, so it is possible um, if things go your way. Um, I, I think the first game, like I already mentioned, is a very winnable game. Uh, and then you end up getting Alabama. Alabama is a team that many people have thought could get knocked out in the first round or go to the Final Four. Because they have that much talent. Uh, they are also even better than Notre Dame offensively. They're top 25 in the top 20 efficiency. Um, really, really athletic. So that it's going to be a tough game. Um, if they get past Notre Dame, that will be a tough game. It'll be a really good test. Um, I think they can beat them. I do, especially because Alabama's been struggling lately. Uh, and then after that, Texas Tech is the number one defensive team in the country. Uh, but they struggle offensively at times. So I think that it's almost like a, not, not exactly a mirror, mirror image of Rutgers, but that would, would be a fascinating game to see. Uh, but Texas, Texas Tech is, uh, is, is tough. Uh, that would be very, very tough to win in my, in my mind. Brad, um, I want to hear what you have as your national champion or, or teams that you have making a deep run, Final Four slash national champion. And also, which Big Ten team are you most high on on making a run in the NCAA tournament? So with, with regards to the Big Ten, the team I'm most high on is Purdue. Um, I've always liked Purdue. I think they have all the pre prerequisites to, to make that run. It seems like, you know, they should be better than what they've been of late, but they have the NBA guys on their team. They have the big men. Um, they can shoot it. 
You know, their one question is, can they be consistently enough, consistently, can they defend consistently enough to get through it? Uh, and they are in, in my opinion, the toughest region um, with Baylor, Kentucky, uh, and UCLA. Um, I think top to bottom, those top four seeds are the toughest. Um, a lot of people probably going to have Kentucky reach the final four. Uh, but I, I think, you know, if they can get by that game against Kentucky, I do see Purdue in the final four. Um, I think that's a realistic possibility. When you, look, you start looking at other regions in the West, you know, Gonzaga is obviously the favorite. I think Duke is a relatively weak two-seed. Um, I do like Gonzaga to come out of that region. Um, but I wouldn't discount Texas Tech either. I think Texas Tech is a little bit of a sleeper in that, in that bracket region. Um, and then in the, in the South, let's see what we got here. Um, Arizona and Villanova, two, two teams that, have, that I think will meet in the Elite Eight. Um, and, and to me, that's kind of, kind of a pick them. i probably give the edge to Arizona just based on talent. Um, and then I would say in the Midwest, I, I, I'm not in love with Kansas. You know, I don't think they're a particularly great team. Uh, but you look at the two-seed Auburn, they've struggled lately. I'm not sold on Wisconsin making a run. I know they've, they've got more, you know, uh, Q1 wins than anybody this season. I'm just not – I just don't, don't see it. Providence, I'm not sold on it. You know, Iowa can make a run. I think Iowa's the hot, hot team, and, you know, a lot of people are going to pick them to, to probably beat Kansas. But from, from what I remember in past years, take a look at the one seed and who has – who is the most surefire, easiest route, to reach the final four and it's probably Kansas as, as much as and Gonzaga I'd say but as much as you know I don't want to pick them um Kansas coming out of that region is uh, is probably where I'll end up going Brad I guess my final question to wrap this up the net is a relatively new metric it only came in this is now the fourth season with it now as we start to get more of a data set in terms of how certain teams have been either ranked or, or selected or not selected. Do you think that there are any incoming changes to the net and how it might work? I know we don't have like the exact formula in front of us, but do you think that there are any changes that could or should be made or will likely be made in the near future in terms of how certain things are weighted or. Yeah, I, I think not, not that they've mentioned um, nothing would surprise me in the off season, but. I do feel like they need to adjust the quadrant systems a little bit. Um, I, I think, you know, a, a quadrant one win on the road, top 75 is a little much. I think that should be adjusted to maybe like top 60. Um, I think that's one thing that I would change personally. But, yeah, I, I feel like they're putting too much weight on blowing out teams. Like Iowa. Uh, you know, Iowa blew out so many bad teams. But that being said, the committees, the committee could come back and say, Iowa's always had really good predictive metrics. They didn't have the quality quadrant one wins, but look at Iowa right now. You know, they're, they're playing to their potential. So it's really, I personally think that they're satisfied with what's going on, and I don't really see any major changes to it. Uh, I, I think you just, if you're a team who is, you feel like your net is worse than what it should be, you need to adjust. You need to schedule better. Um, adjust to the rules because teams are gaining an advantage. And if you don't, if you don't 
adjust to try and get that competitive advantage, you're going to be left behind and, you know, eventually you're going to be left out. All right, Brad Wachtel, our favorite bracketologist, Rutgers alum. Always great to have you on the crew. Thanks for checking in and spending some time with us. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Brad.